Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Arkia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Close-knit communities can foster strong relationships and make great memories. But like anywhere else, they can also lead to isolation, resentment, and dismay. This week, we make our way out of the city and into the countryside to investigate small-town terrors. First, Sapphire tells an ancient Navajo legend that might still have some truth to it. Next, I'll recount the night when three siblings were home alone on an isolated farm. After that, we'll make a new friend in Romania with some strange abilities. And finally, we'll take a trip to Paraguay and have Grandpa tell us a local legend. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? The following story was inspired by a submission from Ellie. Legend has it that in a rural Navajo town called Many Farms, there was once a fruit tree orchard behind the lake. The town's less fortunate would steal from it late at night when the owner was asleep. When he finally caught on, the owner was so angry that he asked the devil to turn him into a tall, hairless, and incredibly fast monster to scare away the thieves. The orchard may be gone now, but all the town's elders claim that the monster is still there, waiting to attack anyone who comes near his property. Click, click, shh, they'd say. That's the sound he makes, like a horse clicking and dragging his feet. If you ask any of the townspeople about this legend, they'll tell you about a man named Koi. He was working for a construction company building a new gas station. If the work went into the night, he was paid overtime, so some nights he would stay as late as 3 a.m. But every morning, his grandmother, who he lived with, would beg him to come home earlier because she was afraid of the click-click shh. Koi would always laugh her off. Does it sound like this, Grandma? He'd tap his cheap, oversized boots twice on the ground and drag them. 
while chuckling at his poor grandma's reaction. You listen to me, young man. Something lives by that lake. I've heard it, she'd insist. But he'd pretend not to hear her as he ran off for work. One night, when he was working late, a pair of elders on his crew began trading their own stories. The first described in eerie detail, a tall figure with jaundiced yellow eyes that crept through the trees along the lake, watching him. The other claimed he'd run for his life once after fishing at the lake at night. Coy found himself taking a pause in his drilling work to hear the stories. When his foreman walked up and told him to get back to work, I'm sorry if we scared you, the first elder said. Those old stories don't scare me, Coy replied. But seeing the fear in his eyes, the first elder gave a knowing nod. That night, driving home from work, Coy's truck suddenly shut down. The battery had died, which meant he would have to walk the rest of the way home. As he started the five-mile trek, he noticed the beauty of the moon shining down on the lake and chuckled to himself about the elder's stories. And that's when he heard it. Click, click, shh. Koi stopped and turned around, but nothing was there. He walked on and there it came again. Click, click, shh. Thinking it must be the elders from work messing with him, Koi stopped and said, very funny, you can come out now. Click, click, shh. Koi turned again to see a figure in the tree line. It was tall and shaped like a human. Growing angry, Koi slung a rock at it when suddenly it charged at him. Terrified, Koi ran for his life. The click click followed his exact footsteps. He ran faster and faster, but the monster was catching up. As the end of the lake came into view, he was certain he'd be safe if he could just get to the other side. But then Koi's oversized boots came loose and he tripped and fell over. He heard the click click shh as he turned to see its piercing yellow eyes and six inch claws glistening in the moonlight. He was tall, at least seven feet, and his pale hairless skin was covered in scars and goosebumps. His mouth looked like a shark's, several rows of teeth protruding. Koi looked up at the monster and whispered, I'm sorry, grandmother. No one saw Koi ever again, or so they say. So pay a visit to many farms. You just might hear the click, click, shh in the night. But if you do, don't bother running. You won't be fast enough. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Remember being home alone for the first time? 
That sense of freedom is immeasurable, but so is the dread. After all, if something goes wrong, who will come to save you? In this next story inspired by Tori, she tells us that exact situation. 16-year-old Tori lived in a tiny idyllic farm town in Iowa with her parents, two younger siblings, a brother named AJ, a sister named Lily, and their feisty family dog, Moxie. They would all work together on the small farm their parents owned. One week, Tori's parents had to leave state for a funeral, so it was up to Tori to watch the house and take care of business. As Tori's dad packed his suitcase, he took his daughter aside and told her one single instruction. I know we live far away from things, and we kind of got this open-door policy going on, but when me and your mother are gone, I want that front door locked until we come back. You understand me? Tori nodded confidently. With a quick kiss and a hug to all the kids, Tori's parents ran the truck and off down the road. Little AJ and Lily were bouncing in excitement on their front porch. Lily rushed inside, causing the family dog Moxie to bark and trail her through the house. Lily sang to herself, no mom, no dad, no rules. Tori spun around to grab her sister, but she was too quick. Meanwhile, AJ was already putting on his boots and grabbing his wagon. There was barely any time to grab both of them. Lily burst out of the house in fresh overalls. Moxie chased after, leaving the front door swinging open. Lily kept up on her song, to the fields, to the fields. Come on, let's explore. AJ started booking it too, and Tori didn't want them to get hit by a car, so she quickly chased behind. Wait up, you knuckleheads. Tori chased them to the cornfields a bit down the way. Her stern attitude melted into a carefree glee as she ran with her siblings. <laughs> she could hear their happy giggles and see their wide smiles. They just wanted a little fun. What's the harm in that? <laughs> Tori decided not to haul them away immediately. She let them have their fun as the sun started setting around them. The crickets chirping suddenly stopped as Lily shouted, Hey, there's something in here. Tori's heart started pounding. Was it a snake? She took a step forward when she noticed the corn stalks. They were shaking out in the field, like something was crawling around beneath them. The stalks mellowed out and then a violent ripple shot out around them. Something was running through the field. Moxie barking went running after it. Hey, it's heading towards our house, AJ remarked. Tori looked at their lone house in the distance, all empty, with the front door wide open. Tori grabbed AJ's hand and started walking. Lily, come on, we're going home, she said. Lily noticed the fear in her sister's voice and joined her siblings on the road. Tori's anxious walk turned into a panicked run as she heard Moxie make it into the house. The dog was growling. There was a loud crash, then whimpering. Her run became a sprint as she made her way up the driveway. The front door was closed. Something was in the house. Lily and AJ followed up the porch steps with Tori, watching nervously as their big sister tried the handle. The door was locked. AJ tugged Tori's arm and pointed around the house. The back door. The trio ran around and peered through the windows. It was dark now, and the lights were off. All they saw inside was darkness. AJ made it to the back door and tried the handle, locked as well. 
They could hear Moxie whimpering inside again. Tori trembled. What was going on? Was something in their house? A voice broke her train of thought. I'll unlock the door. Lily was crouched down, barely fitting through the doggy door near the bottom. Lily, wait. But before she could stop her, Lily was through. Tori and AJ listened through the door as Lily stood up, causing a squeaky floorboard to creak. Whatever was in the house stopped moving. And then it rushed towards the back door. Lily screamed as something ran into her, slamming the back door. Tori could hear her sister struggling, so she braced herself and kicked at the old door. It opened up into the dark house. The last thing Tori and AJ saw was their sister screaming as she was dragged into the darkness. Tori and AJ quickly entered and flicked on the light. The room lit up. It was in shambles. Something had ripped the place apart, searching through every nook and cranny. Dressers overturned, chairs in pieces, and there in the center of the room stood the culprit. Tall and lanky with wiry limbs. It looked like a cornstalk come alive, like some mutant had disguised itself as the crop with a slender green body and a yellow mop of hair covering its face in an oval. Two massive white eyes poked out of the hair and stared down at Lily. It had clawed feet and Lily was being gripped by one pinned down between two of its sharp talons. It looked malnourished and rabid, its green stomach undulated rapidly and his arms were small nubs wriggling towards Lily on the floor. Tori's jaw trembled at the creature as his little nubs shot out, revealing slimy intestine-like arms wrapping around her sister. Tori grabbed a nearby shovel and sprinted towards the creature. She shut her eyes and swung. The shovel hacked through the arms, releasing Lily and causing the creature to bleed all over the room. It skittered around the furniture, yelping in pain. The creature tumbled over AJ as it sprinted off into the night, back into the cornfield. Tori dropped the shovel and held her sister tight. AJ walked up to the two sisters, cradling Moxie in his arms, who panted in exhaustion. Moxie suffered a couple of hits, but I think she's okay. Without saying anything, Tori brought her little brother and dog into the group hug. They all cradled each other as Moxie licked their faces. The three siblings cleaned up the house as best as they could. AJ patched up Moxie and stayed with her all night. Lily slept together with them in the bedroom upstairs. Tori inspected different areas of the house. In the kitchen, she found the fridge wide open and most of the food gone. She shuddered, remembering the ferocity of the beast and closed the fridge. But most importantly, she locked every door in the house. As AJ and Lily settled in for the night, Tori locked the back door. Through the window, in the shadow of the moonlight, she spotted one corn stalk, taller than most. It slowly rose up, getting taller and taller. Two white eyes stared out through the top. Its little nubs wriggled in the darkness. It stood there, waiting for Tori to leave. Tori leaned against the dresser and brandished the shovel in her hands. It was going to be a long night, but she wasn't going anywhere. For three nights, Tori stood ever vigilant, 
The more she guarded the windows, the more it seemed like the creature had gone away. Each night his eyes appeared farther and farther away, until the fourth night it wasn't in the field. Their parents finally came home. They seemed exhausted, but Tori had to tell them everything that had gone on. The parents believed someone had broken in, but not a mutant stalk of corn. A police report was filed. Tori was scolded for leaving the door unlocked, and that was the end of that. But not for Tori. She knew what was still out there, and every night, even if the creature hadn't shown its face, she'd stand watch. She would do anything to protect her younger siblings, because that's what a big sister does. Wow, Tori, that is an absolutely frightening experience. I wonder what we would do if we knew a monster was waiting for you to leave your home. I mean, there's always that feeling that there might be something out there, but Tori knows for certain. Does anybody out there normally leave your front door unlocked? I always feel like I always lock mine, but I don't live in a small town. All I can think of is that there's probably one night that Tori would end up falling asleep. I mean, how long can you possibly stay up night after night waiting for a monster that could come back whenever it wanted to? And then also, one day, Tori's going to leave the farm, isn't she? College or moving into her own place. What would happen to her family then? If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. cities like to believe they have all the action. But in this next story, inspired by Joanna, sometimes all it takes is one person to bring the thrills, for better or for worse. My name is Joanna, and I lived in Madeus, Romania. Life was slow here, but in a peaceful sort of sense. I was a photographer, and I loved taking pictures of the sleepy rolling landscapes. It was simple and easy, but... I always longed for something a little more. Every month, my boyfriend would come and visit me for the weekend. His name was Adrian, and he was from Cluj-Napoca. I could listen to him talk about that city for hours. The museums, the vibrant nightlife. Adrian and I would discuss moving there once I was out of school. He'd talk about the amazing sights and pictures I could take. We could even travel across Romania, out of Romania, all I had to do was make it through the year and graduate. When Adrian would leave, things would go back to normal. I walked my usual route one day when I decided to mix it up. Our town had spots in it that weren't well-maintained, so there was also a lot of opportunities for pictures of urban decay. An abandoned school nearby rarely had any visitors, and I had never seen any police hanging around, so I decided to go inside. 
The place was dusty and appeared to have suffered a fatal collapse many years ago, so I treaded carefully. Still, it was a great place to take some very eerie pictures. Suddenly, I heard someone humming down the hall. I panicked and took a wrong step, tripping over some bricks. The humming stopped, and I heard someone stepping over to me. I felt them grab my arm and help me up. Easy there. Don't want to go down with the rest of this building, she said. It was some girl. Her face was a great big smile with rosy cheeks. Her dark blonde hair hung a little wild about her shoulders. But better yet, she looked out of the ordinary. I didn't know other people came in here. Sorry for disturbing you, I said. No worries. I'm glad you came. The name's Mihaila, she responded. We got to talking and clicked almost instantly. We had similar interests and aspirations. She wanted to see the outside world as well. Still, she enjoyed the quietness of the area, just like me. Apparently, she came to this building to heal her body. She was into rituals, which was fine by me. Me and Mihaila made it a plan to meet there after school every day. Suddenly, I found a new thing to pull me back to Medios. Mihaila was awesome. We chilled in the abandoned school until late night after night. And with no time at all, Adrian was back in town. I was so excited to introduce him to Mihaila. We went into the abandoned school and found her in the middle of one of her rituals. She seemed a bit shocked at the sight of my boyfriend. Mihaila, I want to introduce you to Adrian, my boyfriend, I laughed. But Mihaila didn't respond. She just glared. So you're the one trying to make her leave me. Medios. The awkwardness hung in the air, so I quickly set us down for lunch. Mihaila just frowned and didn't take any bites. After a silent meal, we got up to go. But Mihaila suddenly came to her senses and shook Adrian's hand goodbye. Sorry for being rude. I'm just shy and, you know, it's nice to meet you. We both smiled and bid Mihaila farewell. On our walk home, we talked about hanging with Mihaila more, but then Adrian started coughing. Started off calm, but got more guttural. Then he crouched down and spit up blood. I rushed him off to the nearby hospital. Adrian's shape seemed to deteriorate as we got closer. His gait became a limping walk. His nose and ears started bleeding, and the worst part of all, his limbs seemed to bend like rubber under his own weight. We got him set up in a gurney, and as we wheeled Adrian away from me, he reached out with his disfigured hand. On his palm, I could see a dark red burn, right where Mihaila had shook his hand. I knew it was a crazy idea, but Adrian had been fine before our lunch. Mihaila couldn't have done this, but maybe she noticed something? I didn't want to think too far down that trail of thought, but I did need to see her. We'd only met at one place, so I ran back to the abandoned school, this time taking the back entrance. As I marched through the dark halls, I noticed small valedictorian portraits hung up nearby. One of them caught my eye. It was a girl with dark blonde hair, a little wild around her shoulders. She smiled wide with rosy cheeks, and next to her face was the name, Mihaila. I grabbed the portrait for a better look. The date at the bottom read 1972. How's he doing? Mihaila said. 
I spun around. She was right there. What did you do to him? I shouted. I needed to transfer my death to someone. My essence was tied to this building, and through my rituals, I found a way to live again. The catch, I needed to finish the ritual before the building finally came down. The transfer is almost complete and just in time. She chuckled as some more plaster shook loose around us. Don't look so sad. I was going to use you, but then your boyfriend came along, and I kind of liked you, Ioana. So I thought I'd let you live. Mihailo's walking closer to me. The walls around me were shaking. Dust fell from the ceiling. What are you talking about? I delayed. Don't play dumb. You saw my portrait. I was set to get out of here just like you. But then this stupid building came crashing down on me. January 14th, 1972. The closer Mihaila got, the more her face looked demonic. Her eyes were dark red slits and her voice got deeper. I'm feeling better, more alive already. Poor Adrian probably feels the weight of this entire building coming down on him. Chunks of the building were dropping down now. I had to dodge some of them as Mihaila got within reach. She grabbed my neck and spoke low. I've accelerated the ritual. I will be free of this cage in this town. Will you stand in my way? I slashed Mihaila across the face with the sharp edge of the portrait. She screamed and let me go. The energy around Mihaila pulsed as the building continued to crumble around us. I had to leave now. But if the building didn't fall before her ritual was done, Adrian would die in her place. I scanned the hallway. I knew old buildings well, where to step, where to not. Then shoved Mihaila back, and she hit a deteriorating support column as the violent shaking increased. Chunks of the building fell, bricks cascaded down, pinning her to the ground. Mihaila wailed as I sprinted out of the old school. I made it outside just as the whole building turned to rubble. That night, I visited Adrian. I was relieved to find him waiting in the lobby. He looked better than ever. He smiled and hugged me. The doctors had no idea how he made such a miraculous recovery, and neither did Adrian. Construction crews came and cleared the debris. I explained the situation to Adrian, but he didn't seem to have much recollection of it. No one ever found Mihaila's body, but I did still have her portrait. After Adrian left again for the month, I held a burial for Mihaila, made a little grave for her photo. Maybe it was stupid, but maybe this would help her stay at rest. Me and Adrian left to Kluchnopoka the following summer. The final photograph I had of Medeosh was of Mihaila's grave. It was a keepsake, a reminder to never go back. Ioana, I also enjoy urban exploring. I'm attracted to older buildings, old churches. There's something about the silence of a place where everybody used to go. I've never run into a surprise visitor. And after your story, I'm very glad that I haven't. Because who knows, for better or for worse, what their intentions are. 
I'm wondering out there, would you have given Mahila a proper burial like Joanna did, even after everything that happened? I like to think that forgiveness is the best thing, but perhaps Mihaila didn't deserve forgiveness in the end. Who says you can't enjoy small town living? They all have their share of local legends. Some more frightening than the next, like in this next story inspired by Mark. I'm an old man now, but I thought I'd share with you a story from when I was a kid. I lived in Saltos del Guerra, on the edge of Paraguay. I know some people don't like the idea of small towns, but I loved mine. Saltos del Guerra had everything I needed. I knew everyone in town and I loved waking up each day to greet them. Many people saw Saltos de Guerra as a boring town, but there were actually many local legends surrounding the place. Tales of riches hidden beneath the mountains are curses in the river. But my absolute favorite were the stories of monsters. I would hang around the inn in the middle of town and talk to the workers. They'd tell me wild stories of mythical creatures around Paraguay. One of my absolute favorites was the legend of Loezon. Loezon was a monstrous child of two evil spirits, Tao and Karana. The spirits had many evil children, but Loezon was the last and most accursed of the bunch. He looked the way you might view a werewolf, but far more hideous. His skull had the vague shape of a human, but more disfigured with a snout and large canines along his face. He had sickly pale skin hidden underneath long, dirty hair. You knew when Loezon was around because he reeked of the worst odor you could imagine, a mix of rotting flesh and open sewage. Loezon was the lord of the night and hung around graveyards. This is because the thing he loved to eat the most was rotting flesh. Loezon would feast on the remains of the dead and once he was finished, he would search for more. If he caught you staring, he would drag you back to his den and snack on you as you rotted away. The worst part? All he had to do was give you one bite and you'd be marked for death. As a child, I thought Luizon was amazing. He sounded like a tough monster who could take on anything. I loved his ugly description and I would try drawing him in my textbooks every day. Teachers started noticing and getting angry with me. They didn't like me drawing Louison over my textbook, so I got detention a lot. The worst part about detention was it went on for a long time back then. Teachers had nothing better to do. The staff held me there until the sun went down. At the end of detention, the teachers had me promise never to draw Louison ever again. I agreed. Anything to get out of that stuffy classroom and back home. I left the school at night, but it was so close to home that I wasn't worried. The only thing between school and my home was the cemetery. Normally, I didn't care, but all that talk about Luizon got me imagining his ferocious form. I tried to clear my head and hurried on home. But as I crossed the cemetery gates, I smelled something foul. A horrible stench that wafted through the air. A chill ran down my spine as the wind blew through the area. The cemetery gates groaned as the wind swung them open. But that wasn't the only thing I heard. A terrible.
tearing of flesh and bone. Maybe it was a wild dog gnawing on a piece of meat. I had to check. I had to know to get this stupid liaison out of my head. I took a deep breath, swung the gate open, and entered the cemetery. There, hulking over a freshly dug grave, was a massive beast. It ripped apart a rotting body with its massive fangs, and it smelled worse than its food. It was Luizon. I had drawn him so many times, but I wasn't ready for him to look like this. He was beyond hideous. I gagged at the smell, and he darted his snout towards me. He sniffed the area and identified his prey. With a ferocious bark, Luazon bounded over to me. I had only one instinct, run. I sped out of there as fast as I could. I saw our house down the road, but I could hear Luazon stomping behind me. I didn't want him to be real, but there he was, ready to tear into me. I moved my little legs as fast as I could, but it was too late. With one final leap, Luazon was on top of me. He tore into my back, but instead ripped into my backpack. He yanked it off my body, believing he got a piece of me. This gave me the perfect time to make a break towards home. Luazon howled as I made a clean escape. As I sprinted towards the door, a truck roared up to stop me in my path. The headlights were bright. I couldn't see who it was. A large group of men jumped out with shovels and sledgehammers. They pushed me behind them as they ran down the road. It was the workers from before who told me the story. I followed them down the path as they chased Luazon. They cornered the creature, but he snarled and thrashed through them. He wasn't going to give up without a fight. With a mighty leap, Luazon tore a man's throat out. He then bounced off the body quickly and went for another man's hands, ripping them clean off. Tools clattered to the ground. Eventually, the workers outnumbered him. With enough force, they all stabbed away at the beast. With one final blow, a worker took his sledgehammer and smashed Luazon into the dirt. It was a horrifying thing to witness as a child and something I'll never forget. One of the workers took me by the hand and walked me home. I could see behind me the other men carrying their dying colleagues into the graveyard. The worker told me that Saltos de Guerra was safe now and I didn't have to worry about Duezon anymore. Apparently, the men were planning to slay him that night and came rushing in when they saw me sprinting out of the graveyard. Life returned to normal in Saltos de Guerra after Luezon was no more. The workers had assured me that I was safe now. Still, I think back to all the other stories they told me, stories of horrible creatures stalking through Paraguay. Were they real too? As I got older, I heard no more tales of Luezon, but I wonder if that is because the workers did their job and erased that myth from our history. I thought I'd let it breathe again as I share my tale with you all. Thank you. Wow, Mark, uh, thank you so much for sharing this with us. I, I'm wondering if anybody else had, out there has stories that their grandparents have told them, adventures such as confronting a monstrous beast at night. I mean, I know personally I wouldn't investigate a weird sound that I heard, and I would not go into a cemetery, not like Mark did. But if he hadn't, 
we wouldn't have had this scary story to share tonight. This week's podcast stories were edited by Zach and Brogno, Markia McCarty, Adam Sinker, and Sapphire Sandalo. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalisa Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.